Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Thursday, December the 22nd, 2022, at 3.35 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, Mary's virginity. Today's focus is Mary's virginity. Now, if you've been with us this week, going through all the different episodes of the Today Focus, the Today's Focus podcast series, you know we have been working our way through Matthew chapter 1. Not the entire chapter, but through parts of Matthew chapter 1. One, because, well, it's almost Christmas. And two, if you've been a part of our Bible study exercise this week, you know the assignment for the Bible study exercise was very simple. Take Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, read it over and over and over and over and over, and then kind of work through it looking at anything it has to say in regards to the subject of fear, right? And the reason I had you do that for the Bible study exercise is because we're part of what, of a seven-week series on the topic, on the theme of fear. We've looked at Psalm 33, Romans chapter 8. We've had some uh, 1 John 3, 1 John 4. We've had some great conversations, great discussions in regards to that. Of course, you've got the curriculum. If you're a part of the Bible study exercise, you know you have access to to the curriculum, and you, you've you been given homework, and I gave you the thematic method to do. So we've been working on that. But I thought to supplement that Bible study exercise for the today's focus, I would have us working on Matthew chapter 1. So we started in Matthew chapter 1, and we read verse 18. Let me remind you what it said. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. Now, what we focused on in that today's focus, just to remind you, was the fact that this is, a, this is an amazing event that happens here. This is an amazing uh, an, uh, historical account of what Joseph did that I I think we sometimes overlook. But here's Joseph. He's engaged to Mary. All of a sudden, she announces that she's pregnant. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We haven't been together. How are you pregnant? This can't be. Now, at that point, he could have publicly disgraced her, had her publicly humiliated. According to Deuteronomy, using Old Testament law, she could have been taken to her father's, to the doorstep, basically, of her father's house and had her stoned. He could have had her publicly humiliated, disgraced. But instead of doing that, even though obviously this would have had to have been somewhat of an affront to him, he could have been hurt by it. Instead of exposing her, He, in a sense, was going to put her away as privately as possible. And according to some sources, the way it would have happened back then, no one would have actually had to know exactly why he was putting her away. Now, obviously, they would have figured it out relatively quick, but he could have done everything. Obviously, he did. He was going to do everything he could not to publicly humiliate her, which I think is very important. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, love should not cover, obviously, in a legal action where it needs to be reported, say, by the church or whatever the case may be. But I think it's a very, it's a, it's a strong challenge. It's a strong rebuke 
to 2022 Christianity, where if someone falls into sin, we want to immediately start talking about it on social media. We want to give our, we want to give our condemnation, our judgment. We want to expose it. We want to embarrass. We want to destroy. And we don't really care about the sinner as far as being, you know, restored or, you know, brought back into usefulness. We just want them exposed, destroyed, and embarrassed. And so I thought it was a beautiful account of Joseph had to be hurt, had to feel betrayed and was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to put you away, but I'm going to do it so privately. I thought that was a beautiful story. We talked about that. Then we talked about Matthew chapter one, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. And we focused on the fear not, and I won't go back through all of it, but I, I thought it was an interesting approach. There were some different interpretations on that fear not phrase and what it was there for, um, you can go back and listen. I thought it was a good conversation. Then verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and shall, thou shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save people from their sins. But in many cases, the church has turned Jesus simply into a therapeutic solution to everyone's emotional hangup. Instead of, instead of being the savior to save people from their sins, he's there to save people from their loneliness or to save them from a low self-esteem or whatever it may be. Jesus is not the solution. The gospel is not a solution to those kinds of problems. Jesus is a savior to save his people from their sins. Very important passage. I thought that was a very important discussion. Now, today we come to one that is of the utmost importance, utmost importance, and it should never be overlooked this time of year. And we have to consider it. There are many who are skeptical of it, obviously, many who attack it. But I think many, even within the church, doesn't understand its full significance. So here we go. Are you ready? Now, verse 21 Speaking of Mary, she's going to bring forth a son. She's going to call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 22. Now, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying. Now, immediately we know he's getting ready to quote Isaiah chapter 7. So we could refer to the fact that the, and a quote unquote, the Christmas story, if we want to use that language, was a fulfillment of prophecy. And we could have a, an entire discussion about the fulfillment of prophecy, but I don't want to focus on that. I don't want you to focus on that today. For today's focus, I want you to focus on Mary's virginity. And here's why. Because he quotes from Isaiah 7, and look what he says, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, a lot of times we run right to the Emmanuel thing that he's God with us. And trust me, that is a very important, very beautiful and very significant. But I think its significance is really connected to that previous part. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Now, there are those who have claimed that, no, 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 that should not be translated virgin. The, 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 in Isaiah 7, the Hebrew word there for virgin doesn't necessarily mean a virgin. It just means a young 
maiden. It doesn't necessarily mean she was a virgin. So as a result, that should not be translated virgin in Isaiah 7, and it should not be translated virgin in Matthew. So we don't know if Mary was a virgin or not. Now, I want you to understand the absolute theological heresy that is, and how absolutely devastating it would be to the truth of Christianity. The truth of Christianity hinges on the fact of Jesus Christ being the eternal son of God, him being deity. If he was conceived, not a virgin conception, if he, if he was born, if he came about as a product of a man and a woman coming together, well, clearly that destroys his deity and clearly it would destroy that he is sinless because when a mother and a father comes together, when two human beings come together to produce a child, guess what that child is born with? a depraved nature. So if you take away Mary being a virgin who brought forth Jesus, you destroy his deity and you destroy his holiness. And if he's not truly God, and if he's not perfectly holy, he cannot redeem us. He cannot save us because to save us, not only does he have to die for our sins. Listen, this is very important. His righteousness must be imputed to our account, and that righteousness must be absolutely perfect, or we cannot be saved because the law demands perfection. So if you argue that Mary wasn't a virgin, this is not just like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter. Oh, no, it does. It does. It destroys everything. So just in the short time we have for today's Focus episode, let's do this. I'm going to open up the Blue Letter Bible app. And I'm just going to give you a, I'm going to give you just a little bit of information and then I'm going to point you in the direction. And I would really challenge you today to, well, you know, I, I'm always giving you homework and always giving you assignments because I see all of my podcasts as being interactive, right? I don't want you being a passive listener. I want you to be an active participant in everything we do. So this is a simple assignment, but I think everyone should do so just because you'll be better prepared and equipped. When you hear the critics, and then, of course, you won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. All right, here we go. If you open up the Blue Letter Bible app, which everyone should have, it's absolutely free, and you go to Isaiah chapter 7, and you open up the interlinear. Here we have the interlinear. If we read it, therefore shall give the Lord himself you a sign. Behold, a virgin. There it is, a virgin. Now, if I click on the word, The Hebrew word for virgin, you probably already know this, or you should know this, is this Hebrew word. Hang on, let me, let me go back here. Had it all ready to play, then it wouldn't play. Here we go. It is this Hebrew word. Here we go. Strong's H, 5959. Alma, Alma. Alma, Alma. Now, Alma is used, are you ready for this? Seven times. That's very important. That's very important, all right? Because whenever there's a debate about a word or or what it's used, if you just look up every place that that it's utilized, if you'll open your, whenever there's controversy about a word like Alma, if you'll look at every place that it's used, you, 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 in many cases, can eliminate the controversy. You can say, well, look. It's used seven times, a hundred times, three hundred times, and if you look at every place that it's used, there's very few 
options and how we can interpret this or how we can translate this, all right? But Alma is only used seven times. Um, it's Strong's definition uh, just basically says, damsel made a virgin. All right, now that, see? You see how someone could argue? Hey, 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 wait, wait. It doesn't necessarily mean a virgin. It just means a damsel or a maid. Okay, right? I, I, I definitely, I definitely can, can see what you're saying, and we have to at least consider that. Now, it's used seven times. Here are the places it's used. I would challenge you to look up every single one. I would, I would have you look up every single one. Genesis 24, 43. Genesis 24, 43. Exodus 2, 8. Psalm 68, 25. Proverbs 30, 19. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 8. And Isaiah 7, 14. Genesis 24, 43, Exodus 2, 8, Psalm 68, 25, Proverbs 30, 19, Song of Solomon 1, 3, Song of Solomon 6, 8, and Isaiah 7, 14. All right, look up every passage. Now, when you look up every passage, just ask yourself, okay, how, how, do, how should I understand the use of Alma in these passages of Scripture? Could I understand them just to be, they, they could just be understood to just be, uh, you know, just a young woman, or should I understand it to mean a virgin? How do you think they should be interpreted? How do you think they should be understood? I think it's very important for you to look at that and to consider that because you'll see it for yourself. Then no one can come along and make some claim. No one can come along and say, see, uh, see, look, look. Look, this is how it should be used here. Uh, this is how it should be looked uh, used there. You will see it for yourself. And that's the key step, I think, in, in keeping you from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So look up each passage. Now, if, you, if we consider the words of the theological workbook of the Old Testament, the theological wor workbook of the Old Testament, page 672, this is what they say. This is their claim. Now, I've given you all the scriptures so that you can look it up for yourself. They say there is no instance where it can be proved that Alma designates a young woman who is not a virgin. The fact of virginity is obvious. And then they quote Genesis 24, 43. Well, Alma is used of one who is being sought as a bride for Isaac. Now, according to them, there is no instance where it can be proved that Alma designates a young woman who is not a virgin. Now, you'll have to verify that on your own, and I want you to verify it on your own. I want you to work on it, all right? But the outline of biblical usage typically goes this way, that Alma means a virgin or a young woman, see, so, so the possibility, of marriageable age or a maid or newly married. So that seems to give a wide range of, of meaning, right? A wide range of meaning. So a lot of people are like, it should not have been translated virgin in Isaiah 7. It shouldn't have been translated virgin in Isaiah 7. Let's say, for argument's sake, you're right. Let's say that in Isaiah 7, because there's a lot going on in Isaiah 7, right? 
So some will be like, well, wait, that sign that was given, was that for that historical context? Because it doesn't seem if that was referring to Jesus, it would have anything to do with that historical context. So was Alma in reference to something that happened there, but it also had a future fulfillment pointing to well, the birth of Christ. So they used Alma so it could be either a virgin or not a virgin. I, there's lots of arguments you can have here. But when we get to Matthew 1, the text seems to be doing everything in its power to make sure we understand. Let me go back to Matthew 1.18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. So it, there's already proof, number one, in Matthew, that at least as far as the New Testament is concerned, Mary and Joseph did not come together to, to produce Jesus. That is emphatic right there. But wait, look at what else happens. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, right there just tells you something. Clearly, Joseph is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. She can't be pregnant because of me. So clearly, they had not come together. That is now emphasized a second time. It says that they had not come together. And then it's emphasized a second time that they clearly, he's putting her away because he knows it's not his child. Now, he thinks, obviously, she's been with someone else. You would have to consider that. That's why he's trying to put her away. But then look at the third kind of assurance here. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The angel takes away Joseph's fear and anxiety and hurt. Hey, no, no, no. That which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. So the New Testament goes overboard to make it very clear Mary was a virgin. I have no problem if someone wants to argue about Alma and its translation in Isaiah 7. That's okay. But I know this. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah 7. Whatever the historical fulfillment was, it may have been a young maiden. It may have been a If you want to say that there was some sign somehow given there at that point in time, you can look at all the historical context. But when you get to Jesus, it is absolutely essential that we say, that what was con- that Jesus was in a sense conceived by the Holy Ghost, that Mary was a virgin. We have to dogmatically assert that there can be no compromise with that. And anyone who says other than that, you should flee because they are destroying biblical Christianity because biblical Christianity is about Christ. And to say it's about Christ means nothing if we don't clearly define what we, who we are talking about. We are talking about the eternal son of God, the eternal son of God who took upon human flesh in the incarnation. And he was, he was in a sense placed into Mary, right? Not by a human conception, not by two humans coming together, but by the Holy ghost. So he was born of a virgin and he was without sin. If you destroy the virgin birth, you destroy his deity and you destroy his sinlessness. And if you destroy that, 
Christianity crumbles. So I want you to look up all of those passages of scripture today. I want you to focus on this so that we truly embrace, we truly defend the virgin birth of Christ. We truly defend that Jesus was conceived in a sense by the Holy Ghost. If you'll, if you'll do this, hang on, it should be easy to find online. I'm going to just do a quick search. This should be easy to find, but I just want you to see. I'm just going to type it in. If you'll do a search for the Apostles' Creed, one of the earliest creeds in Christianity, right? You'll just open up the Apostles' Creed. Okay, I don't want to buy a book on it. Okay, it's taking me to Target. I don't want to go to Target. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Those ancient creedal statements are significant. They were important because they defend Christianity from the attacks of the heretics, from the attacks of their enemies. I know in Christmas time, we so many times the church, one, they cancel services and they turn, you know, they want to reduce. It's not, instead of increasing the theological preaching of the church, they reduce it. We want a candlelight service, sing a few Christmas hymns, maybe have the kids dress up, you know, a little boy dress up like Joseph, a little girl dress up like Mary, you know, find a donkey, act it out. Everybody thinks it's cute, takes a lot of pictures, sends it to the grandparents, and everybody's like, oh, church was beautiful. But when, when Christmas season is over and you start talking to Christians about maybe the ancient Christological heresies, the hypostatic union, you start going through some basic things, you'll realize Christians have no clue. Why? Because church on during Christmas time becomes more about almost a performance art. It becomes about, I don't know what, but it stops. We abandon the theology of it. And when we abandon the theology of it, Christians are walking around utterly confused about who Christ actually is. And in many cases, they may not even understand the significance of saying Mary was a virgin. No, it's absolutely essential. She's not a virgin. Jesus is not God. She's not a virgin. Jesus was not holy and without sin. You destroy his deity. You destroy his sinlessness. We no longer have a savior. Think of it this way. No virgin birth, no Emmanuel. No virgin birth, no Emmanuel, no God with us. If God's going to be with us, he had to be conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. That's how the early creeds defined it. Let me read it to you again. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. I cannot stress how significant that creed is. I mean, that's one of the earliest creeds in church history. Now, we can go, we have er, er, earlier writings like the Didache, uh, or the Didache, depending how you want to pronounce it. Very important writing. Um, but the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, those are, those are very important for Christians to know those creedal statements. Because they, they, they lay a, a framework, a foundation, where you take biblical theology and you summarize it in a very easy way that can be easily memorized, even by a child, and then you can teach it as a catechism. 
you can ask questions from each statement and then and then the the, the creedal statement is the answer to your questions you you can do so much with it it's such a great educational tool so we have to remember this this year and every year that there are those who question Alma being translated virgin in Isaiah 7 you can look up every place seven places i've already given you the scriptures where it's used you t- see no that would have to be a virgin that or you can say, well, I don't know about that one. Okay, well, maybe it shouldn't be translated virgin. Maybe it should be translated young maiden. Maybe it should be translated young girl. Maybe it should be translated something along that lines. Okay, fine. We can have that argument. But in Matthew, when it is saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy, I'm sorry, Matthew goes bends over backwards to let us know she was a virgin. They, they do everything. Before they come together, Joseph obviously knows he had, he wasn't the father, so he's bothered. He's thinking about getting her, get, getting rid of her. And then the angel shows up and is like, "No, no, 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 Joseph, Joseph, that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost, because that baby is Emmanuel, God with us. You destroy the virgin birth." You destroy the conception of Jesus by the, by the Holy Ghost. You destroy any of that. Then guess what happens? We do not have God with us. Jesus wasn't God. Jesus wasn't sinless. We don't have a savior. We're all in our sins. Significant, significant topic for this time of year. All right, now I went a little long. I know these are supposed to be 15 minutes, but this is a this is a serious subject. So that I would take a little bit longer on today's focus. I'm not obviously controlled by radio time time slot. So um, yeah, I wanted to go a little bit longer today. I wanted to do a little bit of review and just show you everything that we've been doing this week. This is a beautiful section of scripture with with much to discuss. Go back and listen to all of the today's focus for this week. Put them all together, and you just got a kind of a an on a kind of an ongoing and real time Christmas devotional series, trying to really make this time of year about the scriptures. Right? People have all the arguments about Christmas, and it always drives me crazy. It's like, why argue about all of that? The birth of Christ. Do we believe it's historically real? Yes. Who cares when we if we know the day or don't know the day? If this is the time people want to celebrate it, then give me a Bible. Let me go to the account of the the narrative of the of the nativity, the the narrative of Christ's birth, and let's just read it and study it and think about it. But there's serious theology connected to it. All right, and look up the ancient Christological heresies. In fact, on Sunday, what I may do at Victory Baptist Church, we may spend the day studying the ancient Christological heresies about Christ. Here was the Christological heresy. Here's the actual theological truth. We'll go through the history. We'll go through the councils. Maybe we'll just spend all Sunday doing that. We've studied those Christological heresies in the past, but it's great to do that again on Christmas. What a great time. Uh, that It's always awesome when Christmas falls on a Sunday because, well, I mean, at our church, it doesn't matter what day Christmas falls on, we're going to have a service. But on Christmas, then we're just, we're there. We're going to we're going to study the scriptures, and uh, I don't always do something thematic. I, I just preach whatever we're at, but um, this time I may I may do uh, something on the Christological heresies. We'll see. I'll, I may change my mind 15 times, but 
there you go. The virgin birth, Mary's virginity. We must believe it. We must defend it. Because without Mary's virginity, there is no Emmanuel, God with us. And that is your today's focus for Thursday, December the 22nd, 2022.